Let's rock. Hello, Texans. It's Texans Radio here from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio inside NRG Stadium. And we've got a big program for you tonight. Extra large because we have assistant coaches to hear from. We have to talk about OTAs today. We've got a lot to get to. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you. You'll hear from Romeo Crennel in just a few moments here. The team's defensive coordinator, a guy who's been around the NFL since the beginning of time. Also, Danny Barrett, coaches running backs, used to play quarterback, played in the CFL. Really interesting guy. You want to hear what he has to say about these backs and about coaching in this league. And we'll have our OTA review as well, including a player that really caught my eye today, Johnny. We have a lot to get to. You and I didn't really talk during the OTA session today, so I'm eager to hear your notes. I did my normal training camp thing. I went off and I sort of hid. Okay, that's good. Because the the worst kept secret for OTA's training camp, regular season practice, is the media just congregates Mm -hmm. because that's we have this area. And they start talking. And they just start talking. Yeah, because we talk. That's all we can do. And you just kind of chit-chat. And so I was like, I can't. I got to stay focused. I want to just get locked in on football. And so that's what I did. So I was Mr. Antisocial today. No, I like so it I when you are, it. only because when you're Mr. Antisocial, you get great notes, you observe, in. and you're going to get us fed with knowledge. And that's coming up in a little bit here. But first, let's get to the man that coaches the defensive side of the football, one of the very best to ever do it as an assistant coach. He's been a head coach, too. Hey, Romeo Cornell won more games with the new Cleveland Browns. They came back into the league in 1999 than any other head coach. He went 10-6. and six in 2007 but they missed the playoffs 10 wins wasn't enough to get them in my goodness and he also coached kansas city so he's the defensive coordinator here let's hear from him we start off with what's he doing during the break after training camp because i'm curious about these things how the coaches spend their time recharging the batteries i try to recharge uh, like everybody else does, but my wife usually takes charge of it for me. <laughs> <laughs> it's the same for everybody. Yeah, yeah exactly. The boss. <laughs> yeah, the boss. And, and so I go where the boss tells me to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes we try to get away. Other times uh, we go visit family, friends, and that kind of thing. And so uh, this year I'll probably be visiting a little bit more than maybe I want to. Mm-hmm. But but it all it's all good. Coach, when you've been calling defense in the leagues for a while, and you obviously have a system that works. We've seen it work. We've seen it work in different places. We've seen it work with different personnel. But you still get the doodling on napkins and saying, hey, I think this might work, or hey, what if we tweak this? Are you still, do, you, do you still think that way, or do you want to think that way, kind of adding little new pieces as you go along to your defense? Yeah, I think you have to because offensively they're adding little pieces and, yeah. and they're trying to stop what you're doing. And so if they're doing something that stops with what you're doing, then you got to find out if I do this because they're doing that, I might get a guy free, you know. And so if you can get a guy free, then you impact the quarterback. So you have to do it a little bit and think about what ifs. And uh, sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't work. Romeo Cornell joining us. During OTAs and minicamp, what are you looking for on your side of the ball without pads, without the hitting? I know you can see coverages. What are you focusing on? Well, we have to have communication. That's a big part of our uh, system. And guys have to know the job, then have to be able to communicate 
you know, what they know to other guys that they're working with on the defense. And so I'm looking for guys who can communicate, who can know what to do, and then execute. That's that's one thing. And then you, you look at talent to see who has talent, who has quickness, who can change direction, you know, and, and the things like that, particularly on the back end from the skill guys. The guys up front, it's a little bit more difficult, you know, in OTAs because you're in shorts, and most of those guys can look good in shorts. Um, and But when you put the pads on, that's when those guys, uh, their evaluation picks up because now it's hitting and it's contact and the techniques that you've been talking to them about in, in shorts, they have to execute in pads, and it becomes a little bit tougher. Coach, when I think about communication, Bernardrick McKinney is a guy that I think about a lot because he's talking to the back, he's talking to the front, he's getting guys lined up. And I think back to – I don't know if it was his first start. I think he got thrown in because there was an injury or so. He got thrown into the Colts game in 2015 when he was a rookie. And I just remember him kind of running around wild, like not totally sure what to do. But now you see him four years later going into, what is his fifth year now? And he's kind of a seasoned, salty veteran. But when you see a guy like that, are you guys on the same communication wavelength that he's been running the defense for a while, so he knows what you're thinking? What's it like to have a player that's been in it for a while that kind of knows it like the back of his hand or should know it like the back of his hand like Bernard McKinney? Well, the thing that helps, it it kind of makes him a coach on the field. Yeah. You know, because he can he knows what he has to do. He can communicate with other guys and help them remember what they have to do. Plus, he gives them tips about the offensive formation, the lineman set, uh, the backfield alignment, and all of those things, which which benefits somebody on the defense, yeah. you know. And so, uh, with him being able to do all of that uh, and and present that information, you know, out there on the football field, I think that that helps us. And then he does know the defense, uh, well versed in it. You know, and, and like I mentioned to you earlier, rookies are rookies. <laughs> they yeah. make rookie mistakes. Of course. And, you know, and you can talk to them about it on the board, you know, and you can show them a film. But until they are in there on the field when the ball is snapped, you know, and that reaction time is you got to think fast and then you have to react fast. And uh, Bernardrick, he's to that point where he thinks fast and he reacts fast and he does a good job of running the defense. We had Zach Cunningham in here, and he just seems bigger in person. I guess it's the number, 41, that makes him on the field. Sort of, it hides him sometimes in that linebacker group, but he's made some big plays for you. What about his development, Coach? Uh, he's developing, and it's, I'm very pleased with it. You know, uh, he came from Vandy, and, you know, they're supposed to have smart guys there. Yeah, <laughs> no. yeah he is. He's a, smart, he's a smart player, and he's coming along, and he's helped us a lot because not only does he have size, he's become a physical player as well. He'll take on guys mm-hmm. on blocks, beat blocks, and then he can run with backs out of the backfield. And so that combination is a great combination for us. Coach, we're in the 100th year of the NFL, and you've been around a lot of different players, and – and I wouldn't want you to, to – actually, I would. I'd love to be able to sit down and pick your brain and rank them all. But <laughs> coaching a guy like J.J. Watt, as you think about coaching him the last few years, what what is it – first of all, what is it that makes J.J. special? And where would you put him amongst the guys that you coach? Because you coach some of the great ones, including Lawrence Taylor with the Giants. Right. Well, J.J. Uh, – I love coaching J.J. because J.J. has that that player mentality – that he wants to be the best, and he was he's willing to do whatever it takes to be the best. Um, on the field, off the field, during the season, 
during the off season. Yeah. He's working to be the best all the time. And so I think that carries over to the football field and game day. And he wants to be the best on game day. So when you got that kind of attitude, you know, he's uh, he's willing. He learns in the classroom. He pays attention. He does all the things that a coach wants a player to do, the right kind of attitude. And so players like that, they don't come along every day, mm-hmm. you know. And so sometimes I've heard that they only come along once in a lifetime. <laughs> yeah. You know, I've, I've been fortunate that uh, I've had two or three yeah. like him. Yeah, you know? of course. Uh, but I've been coaching a long time, so that makes a difference there. But but he's a joy to work with, uh, and he ranks up at the top with, with the guys that I've coached. As you mentioned, Lawrence Taylor, uh, he's one, and J.J., uh, they're up there on an equal level. Romeo Cornell joining us on Texans Radio. You've coached a long time, like Johnny said. We've established this, Coach. But what about the way practice is held, conducted, off-season, training camp during the season? It was different back in the day. So how has it been adjusting for you to the rules changes and just the way this game is coached and played? Well, one thing as a coach, you have to be flexible and you have to adapt, um, whether it's coaching style, uh, whether it's game day adjustment. uh, And so when they change the rules, you have to be able to adjust to what the rules are. You know, uh, it's different than what it used to be. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, you know, we when training camp, we would practice twice a day, nine yeah. and three, and then we'd meet at night, and they didn't have any days off, you know. Uh, but now, boom, they get a day off, and you can only practice once a day in pads and, you know, mm-hmm. those things. But, you know, player safety is part of it, and, and I understand that and appreciate that. Um, and the game is still a good game, you know. Uh, the, the players still play hard, um, and probably athletically and talent-wise, um, they are really good at, at their talent for their position, you know. So I, I think that helps the game. But uh, you get used to it and, and you go with it because you know that it's not changing. Right. Well, no more double days. That's yeah. just the most important thing. No more two days. Yeah. Those yeah. things are – if you've ever gone through two days, and there are a lot of you out there that haven't, even players now haven't gone through it, it's the worst the worst there ever could be. Can I ask you one more uh, question, just to reminisce very quickly? Texas Tech, you were there. What was it like being on that staff? I know it was a long time ago, but what are your recollections of being out there in Lubbock? Lubbock, Texas, double T, the Red mm-hmm. Raiders. Yeah, I, I enjoyed the Red Raiders because that was my first major college uh, job mm-hmm. that I had. Um, and I went out to Lubbock without taking a visit. I, I took the job over the telephone, and I'd never been to Lubbock. You know, I've been to Texas before because Dad was at uh, Fort Hood, okay, in, in mm-hmm. the Temple, Waco area. Colleen, I was up in there when I was young. But I go to Lubbock, and I remember getting off of the plane. There were no jetways, so you had to walk down the steps and walk across the tarmac. And the wind was blowing, and the wind was blowing all in my mouth, and, you know, and I'm, I got dust in my mouth. All right, so I get inside, and then I get picked up. And driving down to the stadium, as we were driving down, there's a tumbleweed that blows across the road. <laughs> I said to myself, what have I got myself into? <laughs> you know. But after I got situated and got used to the West Texas weather, uh, people are really nice. And we had su- success out there. you know. Mm-hmm. And so it's a good experience. My youngest daughter was born there, and I'll always have good memories of Lubbock and Texas Tech. 
Coach, thanks a lot for joining us. Good luck this season. All right, thank you. Defensive coordinator Romeo Cordell. Johnny, I love to hear about the older days. Texas Tech, Romeo Cornell on that staff. Bill Parcells coaching linebackers on that staff in the mid to late 70s out in Lubbock. That is fun stuff. That's how they got together. Yeah, and it's it's interesting to hear Coach tell the story of getting to Lubbock. But in the end, he said, I loved it. I loved, I loved it. It was, it was great. And that's, it, it's always funny. Sometimes when you think about, oh, this is going to be such a dreadful situation. Then you get into it and you're like, wow, that was fantastic. That was great. And obviously you're right. That's where Bill Parcells and Romeo Cornell met. And they all end up with the Giants. Bill Belichick goes there as well after a stint at Air Force Academy, I believe. They all meet up with the Giants. And obviously the rest is football history. I mean, think about that, how much history comes from that move of Bill Parcells to the New York Giants. A ton, and Parcells' tree is very large. It's funny because Brian Gain is part of that tree from an organizational standpoint, and Bill O'Brien, because he went to New England and worked for Belichick, who worked for Parcells, like you said. But just to be Romeo Cornell, he has coached so many amazing players. You look at Lawrence Taylor, that's one thing. But what about Carl Banks? What about George Martin? What about all those Giants on that Harry defense? Harry Carson. Oh I mean, an entire Giants defense. To be around all those guys as Belichick was coordinating them as they were winning Super Bowls under Parcells. But Cornell, obviously a big part of things as well. And then the Patriots, you've got guys like Teddy J, our buddy, mm-hmm. Ted Bruschi, Teddy Bruschi, Richard Seymour, um, Ty Law, who's going into the Hall of Fame, Mike Vrabel, obviously, who was one of the great Patriots of all time. I mean, the runs with the Giants, the Patriots, and then the defenses that he's coordinated here in Houston. Boy, he's been around. That would be a fun to do. The Ultimate 11 Romeo Cronell defense. We could do it. Richard Seymour. Write it down. LT. Harry Carson. Yeah. Boy, you could. I mean. Wait, did you mention Carl Banks? Yet? Yeah, I said what? Okay, good. Did I say what? I, well, yeah, I should have. Clowney. Bruce Clowney's going to be on the team. Yeah. Well, I mean, just if you did the starting. I mean. The front seven's ridiculous. It's fun. It gets it's fun ridiculous. stuff. He's been around a lot of great players. All right, Danny Barrett played quarterback in the CFL, coached, played. He coaches running backs here. Very interesting guy. Let's hear from him next. How's Deontay Foreman looking to him? Some good information coming up from the running backs coach, and we'll reflect on the day's work at OTAs and some other stuff as well. As the show continues, it's Texans All Access. It was great to hear from Romeo Cornell in segment number one. If you missed that interview, it'll be up on HoustonTexans.com and on iTunes a little bit later on this evening. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you in the Hyundai Texans radio studio. Soon to hear from Danny Barrett, running backs coach for the Houston Texans. The day at OTAs is done. Mini camp next week. Johnny, think about this. A week from Thursday, that's it. They're out of here. The players are gone until training camp. And when I say gone, they'll still be hanging around this building working out. Some guys go other places to do it. It's more like the early part of the offseason sort of kicks in again, but they have all this water under the bridge as far as the work they've been doing for nine weeks, and then they'll get ready for training camp in late July. All right, what does Bill O'Brien tell these guys? He tells us every year. We ask him that every year. What did you tell the guys before they left? Don't fall behind. Yeah. Don't lose what you've gained during this offseason. Don't take three weeks off and then think you can, in three weeks, get it going again. Yeah. Take a little bit of time with your family, but keep your, keep your conditioning rolling. So when you come in here for training camp, and look, if you're, if you're one of the newer players, think about it, from Deshaun's class of 2017 going forward. Now, now Deshaun, as an example, he played at Clemson. They have some hot mm-hmm. summers in the South. 
they have some practices and some and some heat. This is a whole different animal. But from 2017, the classes of 17, 18 haven't done a training camp here for right. the most part. You're going every day for the most part here in this heat from day one. Gear up, Sparky, because if you're not ready for that conditional conditioning wise, it is you're either a going to get injured or b going to get left behind. Danny Barrett didn't get left behind as a quarterback because he played at the University of Cincinnati and then went to the CFL, played for numerous teams there, got into coaching, went to UCF for a bit after coaching in the CFL, and he's now a Houston Texans running backs coach. We caught up with him and talked to him about a lot of different things. Deontay Foreman comes up in the conversation, and also having played QB, how that helps the coaching game. I think it uh, brings a lot of value uh, to my position in the running back room, first mm-hmm. of all, because very detailed, you know, discipline as far as the approach and what I'm teaching those guys through the eyes of a quarterback, no different than being in the quarterback room. You know, they have to know more so than just their position. You know, studying defenses, you know, learning more than just the running back position, concepts in the passing game, protections, mm-hmm. all of those things. So, you know, I think it lends a lot of uh, – uh, uh, expertise for those guys and they and they enjoy it that way because you know they have to know what's going on and not just their own spot coach i know the game is physical there's no doubt you look at this physical specimens that play in the nfl but how much of a mental hurdle is it for a guy like deontay foreman to really not play much if if at all last year to then step into a year where a lot is expected of him but how much is how much of his return is a mental hurdle that he's got to get across? And maybe he's already crossed and he's ready for the season. But as a coach, how tough is that to kind of talk him through a year as tough as last year and then get him ready for this year in 2019? Uh, you make a valid point from a mental aspect of it, and I think that was last year. You know, I look at last year because, you know, he wanted so much to play last year. But physically he was not ready to play last year. And I think when he came to grips with that, and then he realized, you know, the work that's going to be needed this off season. So, you know, we when the season ended, you know, you know, the last thing we talked about was the next time I see you, make sure you're ready to go. And, and you know what? He came back, you know, to his credit, physically, mentally, he seemed like he was in the right space. And he's still there now. So I think he's overcome that mental hurdle from a physical standpoint, getting back to just walking normally more than anything else because last year he still had that little bit of limp even though he was running. But because he had limp for so long, it just became a a habit for him. So now he's back to his natural gait walking. So when I saw him coming in, you know, the guys reported back back in April, you know, it's like night and day from last year because that was my first year working with him. So, Mm. you know, having the opportunity to work with him this offseason, we're looking for that consistency now each and every day from a physical standpoint. Danny Barrett joining us. Lamar Miller, I feel like some people take him for granted. I know you guys don't, but I think some people outside the building might, considering how consistent he can be. Right, and I think that's the key word, Mm -hmm. consistency. He's been a model of consistency, you know, throughout his career. When he became a, you know, a starter in this league down in Miami, you know, I was coming in the door there. He left and came over here. So I told him I've been chasing him now. I had a chance to work with him (laughs) last year. And the one thing about the young man, you know, he he takes pride in his work, his work ethic and the way he approaches the game. You know, he's one of the best at his position. He is taken for granted. But in this league, you got 32 starters. 
you know, across the board. You know, you got 16 in the AFC, and if he can line up and be an alternate as a Pro Bowl guy, I think that speaks volume for, you know, the respect that he has from his peers in this league more than anything else. And I think that's what fuels him. He knows when he comes to work every day, he's going to get – you're going to get a full day's work from Lamar Miller. And I appreciate his work ethic and his attitude. Coach, obviously you got some young guys on the staff, some undrafted rookies come into the fold. What's the most difficult thing to get them to understand? Is it pass protection? Is it running angles? What's the most difficult thing to try and get through to them as young players coming into the NFL? Speed of the game. I think they take it for granted in college. You had great big programs, you know, and sometimes your skill set is much better than the guys that you're playing. And uh, they don't have uh, 11 guys that are getting to the ball like in the NFL. So they have to learn the speed of the game. There are no uh, easy days. The easiest day was yesterday. So they have to come to work every day with a different mindset. It's a battle every day. You're battling, you know, not only your position but other positions. You know, you come into a, 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 a room like we have at the running back room, you know, you already got some veterans in there that's probably going to make your team based on their uh, their value and, and what they bring to the table from experience. So you got to find a way now, well, how am I going to get on this 53-man to the 46? It's not, it, may, it may be battling, you know, a DB or a receiver from a special team standpoint where they've never played special teams. So they need to buy into all of that and realize, you know, it's a constant battle every day. One more quick one for you. John, Andre Ware, and I have a little texting fraternity during the month of July before the NFL gets started because the CFL's going, and I yep. know you were a big part of the CFL. Yes, sir. It's pretty good up there. I know that had to help you having that experience, playing and coaching. Without a doubt. You know, uh, I went from playing to coaching the, the very next year. But, again, we go back to the first question that we talked about as far as being at the quarterback position. You really are an extension of the coaching staff. So the amount of time that you put in the game and your preparation, it carries over. So now you got to be able just to teach the other guys. So that experience played, you know, heavily into my coaching career still to this day. And, you know, go CFL. You know, they're on their way now. <laughs> Preseason's already gotten started. It's only two preseason games. I'm reading about Goodell wants to go to two preseason games in the NFL. Who knows what will happen, right? So who knows? But I know after two preseason games, rookies don't get a lot of opportunities short they can do. Mm, we'll see that. what happens. That is true. Coach, thanks a lot for being All right, guys. With us. Thank you as well. Danny Barrett, running backs coach for the Houston Texans, and uh, Andre knows him pretty well. They have CFL commonality, so that's pretty cool. Johnny, do people take Lamar Miller for granted? I think so. Yeah. I don't think there's any question. I think Lamar is one of the more underrated backs in the NFL. Look. I understand that he's not Ezekiel Elliott or he's not Saquon Barkley. I I understand that. But reliable, dependable, Mm -hmm. productive. He was a guy that there were games last year, offense kind of slow to get going, and Lamar would pick up three yards, four yards, and he'd get a seven-yard run. He'd have a drive where it would be pretty much him, and then maybe Deshaun would finish it with a touchdown throw to hop or something like that. I think Lamar is absolutely taken for granted. Like I said, he's – He's never going to be considered Saquon or Ezekiel Elliott. He's not of that caliber. But Lamar, to me, is he's steady. He's a guy that I want to have on the field. And look, last year he showed, and he's shown this before, the ability to hit the home run. You give him a yep. seam, boom, see it. And I think he's got great vision in the zone game. I think his ability, last year it really, it really kind of showed itself. His patience especially in the zone game, like do I stay front side to the play side? 
Is the hole going to be there? Is it going to develop? Do I need to be patient with this? Or am I seeing the seam on the cut-up, right, basically back where the center would be? And you take those three steps, and then it's like, okay, do I cut this thing right up where the center is? Do I have to cut it all the way back? He got a really good feel for that, I felt like, last year. And you started to see it really turn into some big gains for him and big games for him. And when he was out, we felt it. We felt him being out. I mean, that Dallas game, uh, Alfred Blue had, I think, eight catches in that game. But if we have Lamar in that game, there's no telling. And, and it's funny because uh, Nathan and I, Nathan from our PR department, we were talking about it. Just, we were talking about there were only really two games where QT, Fuller, and Hopkins all played together. Half of Indy, week yeah. four. Uh, oh, then Buffalo. I forgot Buffalo. Uh, Buffalo for a game, and then Dallas for a full game, so two and a half, and then half of Jacksonville. So it's three games, sorry. So it's three games. That was it. And it got me thinking, we were talking about the Dallas game. I was like, we moved the ball up down the field against Dallas. And we yeah. did that without Lamar. Right. If we had Lamar in there, I mean. Things are different. Very different because of what he's able to do. I, I think he is absolutely without question. Take it for granted. I think he has been productive since he's been here. I think people look around the league and they see – Ezekiel Elliott, and they see Saquon Barkley, and they're like, I want that guy. Well, who doesn't want that guy? Yeah. Who doesn't want that but guy? But the guy you got is good, and Very you good. have some upside here with Deontay Foreman in yes. year three, coming back healthy, like the coach said. And how about some other things? Names you know at OTAs today, and let's go back to the running back position, names you might not know. We'll get into that next on Texans Radio. Rocking and rolling here in the Hyundai Texans Radio studio. Mark Vandermeer, John Harris with you as we talk OTAs, we had Romeo Cornell on the show tonight, Danny Barrett. Again, if you miss any part of this, it gets podcast, podcasted on HoustonTexans.com or iTunes or wherever fine podcasts are available. Now, Johnny, we saw some OTA action today in the practice bubble at the Houston Methodist Training Center. Kind of felt like summer outside, so maybe that oh, had yeah. something to do with it. You know, just Ooh. get the guys inside. You don't have to kill them right now or anytime, for that matter. Yeah. But it was very cool to see some of the action. And just to pick up on the conversation we had with Danny Barrett, when you talk about running backs, we talked about Lamar Miller a bunch in the last segment. Deontay Foreman, he mentioned him and how this year is a big year, how he looks really good this year, coming back from the year in which he was trying to come back. And he hit the ground running yep. with the off-season conditioning program starting up eight weeks ago. That's great stuff. So we'll get it to him a little bit maybe. But some of the other guys, you know, a lot of people, we talked to Taiwan Jones, you and I. Mm-hmm. We talked to Josh Ferguson. These are running backs that are on this roster. They're free agents. They have some experience in this league. You also have undrafted free right. agents. But those guys are getting some reps here, and I think they want to be heard from. They want to make a statement here. It's going to be interesting to see how this running back depth chart shakes out as you get closer to September. It is certainly opportunity there to be had. Yeah. With no drafted running back, and then they brought in Demaria Crockett, and they signed Karan Higdon as well. So they've got those two, and we haven't seen Higdon yet, but Crockett has been out there, a bigger back. So there's opportunity to be had. In training camp, you're not going to grind Lamar Miller to you know, into dust. Yeah. But you've got to make sure he gets ready. You've got to make sure that Deontay Foreman gets ready. But you can't have every single rep going to those two. So there's going to be opportunity for those guys. I'm, I'm really excited about Crockett. I mean, I've, people have heard me talk about Crockett for a while. I just – I love – I loved him as a freshman at Mizzou. And had he stayed healthy, I don't know that we would have had an opportunity to get him. So I'm really yep. excited to see what he's going to do. Well, Mark, you brought up Deontay Foreman, and 
it's a passing camp. Bill O'Brien tells us that all the time, you know, with TAs and minicamp. He, he tells us that all the time. But to keep the defense honest when they're doing some things, they'll throw a run in there every now and again. Yeah. And when I was down in my little uh, one-person habitat, I was watching and I had a good view on a play where they ran the ball with Deontay Foreman. And I'm telling you, at first I didn't think it was him. I could just see a helmet moving through bodies and moving through very quickly. And then he shot through the gap and got through. And I was like, whoa, who is – that's Deontay? I saw a burst that I have not seen from him maybe ever. He got through a gap, and Mark, I'm telling you, just he shot through it. It was not like, oh, I'm going to be patient, kind of work my way through. It was he saw a hole and bang. Now, granted, Deontay Foreman's not soft. He takes a lot of hits, and he delivers a lot yeah. of hits. He's not soft. He's not. Guys don't have pads on, so they're not coming a million miles an hour. But I love seeing a running back that sees it and hits the gas and goes. And that is what I saw from him today on one of those runs. And I just went, that's Deontay? He popped out, and I saw 27. I was like, I kind of to myself kind of was like, all right, I like this. That's what we have to be able to see from him, that if if Lamar's getting a, a break and that's what we get from Deontay, that's what we need to see because that keeps Lamar fresh. Lamar keeps Deontay fresh. And then they're hitting with a one-two punch – if they're doing that, this offense has to be better. It has to be better to have a guy of Foreman's athletic ability with the right mindset going forward into 2019. I just I, I can't see how this offense will take steps back, if not take gargantuan steps forward. But that's the kind of thing that has to happen for it to be the case. I think they have a lot of options. We'll get into receivers in a moment. Uh, you mentioned, though, how spry Foreman looks. That's great to see at this time of year. Got to keep that going. Look, I think Ferguson looks like, yeah. like I said, he wants to be heard from. Taiwan Jones, you mentioned some of the rookies. And I, I look at the running back position now, Johnny, and you know we have always talked about, hey, you got to know pass protection. It's not just about running the football. Folks, it's really not just about running the football. You've got to catch the ball out of the backfield. And it's not just, oh, I'm running these three plays. You've got to know that playbook. The amount of work to get up to speed for these guys. Look, you could probably get away with a few more things if you're in there just to pound the ball. But it's the NFL in 2019. You're not doing that anymore. Right. You know, you're really not playing the game the way you were. Did you see Spencer Tillman's tweet? It was pretty good. He talked about... Hey, we used to play the game sometimes in a phone booth, and yes. you know he's, he was tweeting out highlights. I think it was Oklahoma versus maybe Texas. I, I didn't watch it too closely, but he said, "I love the spread offense, but sometimes you had to play the game like this, and yep. sometimes you still do." And yeah, sometimes you still do. But the game, to his point, is wide open right now compared to what it was 25, 30, 40 years ago. So these guys have to get up to speed so quickly in all phases of that passing and running game in order to be on the field with any kind of consistency as a running back. Now, wide receivers. Vincent Smith, hello. Mm -hmm. Year two. I like it. We're going to hear from John Perry this week. It's, It's looking good. And, you know, I'm not putting him in Canton or anything like that. I'm just saying that it looks like... He'll be a good piece of the whole depth chart here that they have at that position group. So if you do, Knockwood, have some injury issues, 
he can pick it up in a way that wasn't possible last year as a rookie, but it looks like he's taken that year one to year two jump for this time of year, and he's got to keep it going. Otherwise, it doesn't mean anything come September. It's We've talked for two years now, at a minimum, two, three years, maybe since the night he was drafted with Will Fuller, about Will going deep and how much that changes things. And obviously, Will's not going through OTAs. We talked about that because he's coming back and he's rehabbing from the injury. We saw him out there today, though. Yeah, saw him out there. Nice. It, just on the hoof. Will yeah. looks, looks good, and hopefully he's ready to go for training camp and ready to go for week one against New Orleans because he does change things. There's no doubt. I mean, he changes things. Drew, Drew and I talked about that on the In the Lab podcast. Mm-hmm. He has 11 touchdowns from Deshaun. Jeez. 11. In 11 such games. limited action. You know what the yards per touchdown is yards per touchdown reception give it to me 29.3 yards per touchdown reception (laughs) i mean that's insane in 11 games 11 touchdowns and he's got a three a six and a nine in there because we put out a uh, a video earlier today of the touchdown that he scored against indianapolis now in that game he only played a half but he scored that touchdown before that deal with the hamstring but will is hugely important now why does that tie into vincent smith well today you could see Vincent going deep, and you could see the impact of speed. And Vincent going, well, all right, all right, Vincent, I see you. But we've seen that from him. We have, but we've he, seen that from him. He ran a route today that reminded me of Fuller. I know, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. And going away from us. Yeah, I'm not giving away oh. state secrets here, but you know, because look, we all saw what he did. The world saw what he did against yeah. Philadelphia, but. I'm enjoying this, watching his development, and like I said, it's just a work in progress. You got to see it continue because I, I've labeled guys before and had my eye on them. Sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. But very encouraging for now. What you're seeing, guy who made the 53 man roster, made some plays for you last year. Let's see what he does in 2019. I read something today, and I can't remember what it was. I think I was on a coaching site or a coaching, there was a coaching Twitter or something, and they were talking about wide receivers and. It may have been a format for a player. I can't remember. Anyways, they were talking about the different things that receivers do to get open, to get separation, to get off the line of scrimmage. And one of the things that this particular person had mentioned was changing speeds. You know, like a pitcher will change speeds. And that just throws you off, throwing a 98-mile-hour fastball, and all of a sudden here comes the changeup at 81. All of a sudden you're just way out in front of it. And so changing speeds is big. And he said for – Receivers, changing speeds is huge with your routes. If you can change speeds, I bring that up, Mark, because the other guy that we've talked about a bunch and put more detail to it because we've all talked about, oh, Kiki QT looks good. I mean, I've heard it everywhere all throughout the city, but why? I'm going to tell you today why. His ability to get off the line of scrimmage and get clean from Hmm. defensive backs is unbelievable. And one of the things that he does is he changes speeds. He'll give different releases off the line of scrimmage, and he's so quick off the line of scrimmage that you have to respect everything. So if he kind of slow plays you off the line of scrimmage, and then, boom, he's going to lightning one way or the other, as a defensive back, what do you do with that? Right. And if he gets you to lean one way, then exactly. he's, gonna, and then uh, he's, then he's going the other way. Yeah. Mark, I saw him today lose completely just lose guys within three steps you know we've seen all these videos online of all these guys that go to these rivals or adidas high school camps and they're throwing yeah. all these different moves and it's like look with me i'm going i'm doing this and i'm going left and then i'm going right and i'm doing this and then you haven't even gone anywhere yet yeah kiki was doing that and getting open at the very same time yeah 
And it was just amazing to watch. It felt like I was watching an one video combined with teaching tape for how an inside receiver is supposed to get free and go catch the football. It's, it was unbelievable to watch him get separation today from defensive backs. And it won't always be that easy, but it just felt like not only was he getting separation, but he knew the right spot based on the coverages he was reading where to go. He saw zone, he saw man, he knew what to do, he knew where to go, he knew where to find that spot, and that, if anything else, is what has made Julian Edelman so great for that offense. I mean, obviously Brady helps, but but Edelman knows where to go. He and does. And because Brady knows it, he's like, I know Jules will see this, so I can just throw this ball to a spot and he's going to be there. How about... It reminds me of the AFC Championship game, what you're just saying there, when mm-hmm. Romo's on the air and saying, Edelman over the middle. Right. You know, it's third down, right. whatever, they got to get it, and all of a sudden, Edelman's over the middle, and he's open. He's open. He's wide open. Right. And the announcer knew he was going. Now, the defender has to respect what if he doesn't go over the middle. Right. What if he, and, he, exactly. and he sold that to him, and he made it work. It's fascinating how these guys do it. You know, Andre Johnson was great at it. Obviously, Hopkins is great at it. Hopkins is also great at Hey, I'm also covered anyway. Right. Throw me the ball because I'm going to catch it because this is just who I am. I'm the best in the game at that. Most guys can't get away with that, but he is the best in the game, so you have that. All right, we got to get to a couple of other things here because I know we could talk about OTAs for days. But Florio tweeted out about the St. Louis Blues having the Country Road song. Mm-hmm. And they started to get into the best songs that they play in stadiums or stadia, if you want to get really nerdy about it, because that's the proper plural to Latin. That is correct. Yeah, I'm not going to go there. But country roads, why do you sing about West Virginia when you're in St. Louis? Well, that's what got got Florio's attention. It's Don on me because he's from West Virginia. So that, I'm sure, is what got got his attention. Yeah. Um, the, The song that the Blackhawks play. And I'm trying to remember it. What what it is? If you heard, if I heard it, and I'm I know you you've heard it. It's in the it's in the sixties. Not dirty. Dirty water is the one they play in Boston. Yeah, that which, they play a lot of stuff in Boston. They do. They play Sweet Caroline. They play Moni Moni because right. they used to play that when I went to games in the eighties. There, right, right. They play Josie, which I want to shoot myself if I hear that. <laughs> I don't want to hear that ever again. <laughs> I don't want to hear it, Johnny. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm right there. I'm right there with you. And it, okay. I think the story on that one is pretty funny. But the Blackhawks would play the the Blackhawks would play a song when they were running really. Well. I mean, they were the best team in hockey from like 2011 to 2015, maybe. It was kind of Blackhawks Bruins, but the Blackhawks I think won two or three championships in that run. Then it was the LA Kings, Chelsea Dagger, the whole building. Would just go berserk. What about the hurt? What about the Ravens and White Stripes? It's okay. I was all right. I mean, it, I mean, when they played it that Monday night, I thought it was cool. I thought it was okay. Well, I didn't enjoy it that night. No. But a lot of other teams have tried to pick that up. There are some you don't play in stadiums anymore, like you don't play Rock and Roll Part Two anymore. Uh, you don't play We Will Rock You really anymore. No, which is too bad for Queen, but uh, good for them. They had a who heck plays of a Crazy run. Train. Somebody plays I crazy. Think numerous train. teams play that, right? I thought so, but I thought there was uh, one that played board. it. Yeah, I mean, a lot of teams play that. Here's here, now this, this is one that, that came out. It came out. The, the reason it came out was very, it was very sad, but it really came out organically, and now it's become a ritual. 
at University of Florida going into the fourth quarter. They sing, the, they sing We Are the Boys of Florida, and then they sway back and forth, and it's kind of cool. And usually the TV timeout going into the fourth quarter is pretty long. So in 2017, I think it was, mm-hmm. they started singing Tom Petty because Tom Petty had passed away that week, and he's from Gainesville. Yeah. And so they sang Won't Back Down, and the whole stadium is pretty good. singing the song. The whole stadium is singing it. And that has now become a tradition. They sing We Are the Boys of Old Florida. And then right as that is, that is over, the, the PA announcer or whoever's on the, on, the, uh, on the ones and twos, he plays Tom Petty, Walk Back Down, and the whole place just knows exactly what to do. Some of this stuff just has to in. be organic like yeah. that. It just sort of exactly. happens. You know, here, obviously, you have the Bulls on Parade stuff, but that's not a sing-along. Okay, right. so you have, you've had some stuff here that is – Turned out for what is turned, turned down for what? Yes, obviously. That's one of the most but organic. It'd be great ones. to have a sing along, and you can't force it. We'll just see what happens, and maybe something develops as time goes on. So here. the blues fans sing "Country Roads." Do they sing yeah, they it. Do. They sing it. It's a good sing along song, though. I mean, it's. I yeah. don't understand St. Louis, in Missouri, and you're singing about West Virginia. It yeah. just feels kind of weird. Yeah, you know? I don't. Yeah, that's you know, not... another thing is uh, Sweet Caroline in uh, Fenway Park, mm-hmm. which is done in a lot of other stadiums now, but. When I went to Fenway Park a long time ago, when I went to college there, they didn't sing that. That wasn't there yet. Mm-mm. That had not made it yet. So it's funny how things develop. All right, that's going to do it for tonight. Thank you, Johnny. Thank you, Mark. All right, little OTA talk. Danny Barrett, running backs coach on the program. Romeo Cornell was on with us earlier. Again, this will be podcast on iTunes, on HoustonTexans.com, wherever fine podcasts are available. So we invite you to tune in. Tomorrow night, more from these assistant coaches what these teams are going through. Let's hear from Deontay Foreman tomorrow as well as we saddle up one more time for Texans Radio. Weeknights at 6 here on Sports Radio 610 and the Texans app. Have a great night, everyone, and go Texans.